coffee is my only friend. I'm I'm your friend. You're, you're also my friend, and you made the coffee, so you're the greatest friend of all. Okay, I don't get it. I don't care. No, no, no. Welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about performances in Edmonton. I'm Vonda. And I'm Paul. And we are uh, proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered, powered by, by ATB. ATB. B, B. Ooh, oh, that was echo- special effects today. Yeah. Nice. Pulling out the stops. Uh, how are you, Fonda? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Mm. Sipping coffee, feeling great. Great. All right. Um, well, it's been kind of a, a busy couple of weeks, so let, we'll get right into it. What did we see? What did we see yesterday? Um, last night, uh, we went and saw a likely story, uh, the latest Stuart Lemoyne uh, work, which is uh, premiering the Teatro La Quindicina uh, season uh, for for their summer to fall season. Uh, so, so that's what we saw, Fonda. What? Well, tell us a little bit about what we saw. <laughs> Uh, well, the this so again is a pr- premiere of a brand new play by Stuart Lemoyne. He also directed this play, a uh, cast of five featuring Rachel Bowron, Vincent Forcier, uh, and Jenny McKillop, sort of as characters within something that is being created by the producer, played by Jeff Haslam, and another character named Hugh, played by Matthew Hauschoff. Yeah, in in a lot of ways, it was sort of a a story about stories and um, not just their power, but like um, their their potential, their possibilities, the places they can lead us. So it starts sort of in a very meta way with a with a prologue that's about being a prologue, um, and then we sort of have a character on a on a train uh, train station waiting for a train, um, and and things start to happen uh, in a way that's sort of about um, well, what what should you do in this situation? What what thread should you chase what um you know what makes a good story in that way what makes something watchable in a way that the characters sort of clock but are also embedded in yeah there's kind of a little bit of like play between all of the characters being like what's my motivation what how do i feel about this um and i i was thinking before i was uh, about talking when we're talking about the play like how many times can we drop meta into this conversation because it is a play that sort of refers to the idea of character building and playmaking and you know like what drives a scene how do you get to the next location even if it seems like kind of an absurd you know there there was quite an absurd through line to the locations yeah, that they yeah. played with in this show too yeah you just made this a conversation about this conversation a meta <laughs> about a meta um yeah i think um in you know Stuart lemoyne has been doing this for a long time he's written so many plays uh and i feel like in his heart, there's sort of the spark of an, an improviser. And I, I have a bias because I do improvise theater. But I think um, there's always this sort of like uh, playful spontaneity that really comes through. And it's like these characters, through just being put on collision courses and uh, with each other, end up in these places um, and end up on these these sort of uh, plots and tangents that they never thought they'd, they'd, they never would have chosen had they continued upon their their merry way. And this is that's a lot of what, what this show, A Likely Story, seemed to be about, was this idea of like, well, um, we're all here waiting for a train. We can let each other come and go and go check the map and, and wait. Or if we engage, what happens? Where does that go? Um, 
and and that is you know the more in improv yeah it's like you don't want to just spend a scene waiting you don't want to spend you know a, an hour-long show waiting um so in this it was about there's a do-over early on um without spoiling much and then it and then it like takes us on the track we we end up going on and uh and we see what happens if these characters you know didn't just pass each other but but engaged and uh it goes to uh far-flung places multiple countries um find some beautiful poignancy at a beach uh, and then, uh, and then it's also st still about being a story and like what that is and, and where those should go and where those should end if they end at all. Yeah, that's a really good point about the sort of, um, a, a bit of a heart of an improvisation setup, right? Or even a writing exercise setup. Mm -hmm. You have this sort of standard, like, okay, we start in a train station. Everything is kind of standard. There's characters that meet each other. Everyone's sort of in very neutral colors. And then as they start making choices and diving in, everything develops more color and more yeah. detail and more, you know, nuance to it. Um, you also mentioned that Lemoyne has been at this for quite a long time, and he has a very, very dedicated fan base, mm -hmm. um, and also dedicated ensemble of actors too. How, who I'll also mention tend to also participate in Dynasty, which is a big improv thing. Sure, yeah. um, so, but what are some of the other characteristics of Lemoyne's work that you think are sort of you know, um, you know, come out come out often? Why do what do people keep coming back for? <laughs> sure, um, I think there is like a. Uh, that's that a sense of grounded spontaneity. It's this sense of um, these characters are all um, usually very thoughtful uh, in their way. They speak uh, very quickly and uh, with with a lot of verbiage and, and intelligence. Um, and they're very good at processing their own situations. I feel like and being like, oh, this is what's happening. This is this is what's going on to me right now. Uh, going on with me right now. And uh, but there's uh, there's a lot of joy in how. Uh, how that detail comes and gets used. Sometimes there aren't even so much punchlines, but it's just the the texture of the language and and how it's being said that is like what is funny. Um, and then and then I yeah I think and I think Stuart uh, in a directorship um, here as as was last night. I think he's got a very uh, good sense for um, little little punches of like theatrical comedy and just sort of like those moments when everybody turns or everybody sets up a one, two, three sort of comment on a thing or, or just this little, there's this uh, moment last night where we'd met this um, this person who worked in the Spanish uh, embassy, the British embassy in Spain. Uh, and uh, he has a musical sort of score uh, that, that accompanies him. And then when he's thought of just later on, we get like half a second of that score, just a little bump to be like, right. <laughs> and it's just, yeah. So um, like, uh, silliness is a word that gets like uh, often used like negatively, and I, I don't mean it in that way. But there's sort of this sense of fun um, that that Stuart Lemoyne grounds um, all of this intelli all these intelligent characters in. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's my read on on uh, a Lemoynean sort of style. Uh, what about you? What uh, what stands out to you in the style of Stuart Lemoyne? Um, there's sort of, there's, there's kind of, I, I hate, I also, you know, kind of hesitate to use the word whimsy, but there is just this sort of, um, turn that can be taken sometimes that if it doesn't go silly, sometimes it goes very almost profound and just heartwarming. Uh, there, there's the scene where the four characters are on the train and they're greeted by sort of like, um, you know, this very dramatic, piano player or yeah, pianist who doesn't uh, who doesn't make an appearance again but the the beautiful part was the this piano gets pushed on stage and you don't see the player playing the piano mm -hmm. but all the characters start like they take this moment as soon as Chopin starts playing and 
they face the audience and it's just this like kind of serene magical moment where you're there with them and you're all just listening to this this you know this score that sort of just kind of like calms everything down for just a moment mm. and it's you know yeah it's it's kind of meditative and refreshing in certain points too yeah it can go from that that sort of um fun and, and whimsy to these sort of beautiful little um uh, shooting star sort of moments uh there's that one uh there was the beach one i mentioned earlier which mm -hmm. is sort of through two characters sort of going off on on one sort of uh intrigue uh we meet someone else who's who's at this beach for a very different reason uh and it's just um the line comes up uh i'm so glad you were here uh, at, at sort of the end of this very beautiful and, and profound scene about, um, you know, uh, borrowing and the idea of, of what we borrow in life and how every, we borrow everything in life, eventually it has to go back. Um, uh, and yeah, it's sort of like in among sometimes these very madcap scenarios, uh, Stuart Lemoyne seems to find, make room for these little uh, poignant uh, bubbles to, to emerge and to come out of the fizz of the rest of it mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, that give it this sort of um, roundedness and this depth. Yeah, that scene was really interesting because it also sort of it also featured a character that you only see in that one scene and then you don't see again. Right. Um, so the the two Jeff Haslam and Matthew Halshoff are actors that are playing multiple roles within all of these um, scenes that the other three characters are sort of running through. Um, and what did you think of some of the performances? I guess because there's you know the three of them that are playing these consistent characters or developing their characters as they go, yeah. and then the other two kind of drop in and out as these you know sort of other interesting people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, I think Stuart Lemoyne's dialogue lends itself to sort of a, a type of character, um, which which populate his his plays, and so yeah, they were they were there these characters who. Um, uh, you know, are, are in very specific scenarios uh, now overlapping. And so they're helping each other or uh, understanding each other or learning uh, all of these things. And yeah, it's interesting the, the difference of like then these other characters who are sort of playing uh, multiple, multiple roles, uh, which can like come in to snipe a quick joke or to help assist with a moment or, or to move something on. There's a moment um, uh, later on in the play uh, where someone is literally running between playing, you know, three characters in three different scenes in the, in the same moment. Cause yeah, the, the Jeff Haslam and, and Matthew Holshoff characters are also maybe the only ones who are really aware of the meta nature of their, their situation. Um, they, they're sort of aware that this thing is happening and they, they fit into it in these ways, but they can also sort of pop up, especially to talk to each other about what's going on. Yeah, they sort of have these little consultation moments where the producer says, okay, Hugh, you know, you have to think about this, think about that. Right. Um, yeah, and I, I did appreciate that kind of, you know, like the epilogue being about an epilogue and the end being, or the... Uh, what, what Prologue? The prologue, yes. Mm -hmm. There was a prologue and an epilogue. Yeah, yeah. And they were both self-referential in that way. Um, yeah, and I thought it ended, it did end on a really nice... Um, kind of hark back to that beach scene and I don't want to really give away what happens in the beach scene but it, that that idea of borrowing time mm -hmm. and borrowing space and um, there was there was a mention made that you know the the theater company the pe the performers on stage are borrowing time from us mm -hmm. and now we're and now they're giving it back right, or, right, right. and we're you know free to go out into the world and and vice versa as yeah. well that you know we're we borrowed their time you know and mm -hmm. and we're part of this we have this communal moment of uh, witnessing each other's stories and uh, yeah yeah in a very meta way that seemed to be what uh, the show 
um, uh, sort of worked, worked around. It's like, what happens if we sit with each other rather than walk by? What happens if we um, say yes and in that improv way to whatever's happening in your life and my life and these things and see where they go? And, you know, the unexpected beauty and these little um, moments that where it would be impossible to plan uh, popping up. There's also this interesting uh, comment made off the top about how this play has no uh, playwright. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that was tying into like, right, we're watching these characters um, encounter each other. And that is that is enough. That is what is happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of interesting that because, you know, so much analysis of plays and everything is often done with the playwright in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of, yeah, it's sort of just a, like a little bit of a push and a nod to like, well, what if you just watched for the characters and what was happening on stage? You know, Um there's a lot of, of course, um, politics around, like, who gets to produce what and what gets on stage and all that. But, like, if we're just focusing on, like, people making choices on a stage, then that somehow becomes, you know, a different thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that can be as unexpected, um, you know, and, and uh, satisfying as anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so that was A Likely Story running at the Varscona Theater, produced by Teatro La Quinticina. Um, and that is running until June twenty second. Yeah. All right. And with that, I think I think it's time for an ad. <laughs> Plenty of people dream of starting a successful band with their friends, but actually achieving that goal is another matter. For Edmonton band Ultimata, making music full time was their goal. Thankfully, they discovered ATB's branch for arts and culture, designed by artists for artists. The branch for arts and culture caters to the unique needs of people who work in creative industries. With their help, Altameda has been making great music together and getting banking support. To see their full story, visit atb.com slash Altameda. Um, let's maybe first talk about a show that you saw that I didn't actually get to see uh, at NextFest. Yeah, uh, so NextFest is happening. Uh, if you don't know what that is, you should. Uh, you know, it's a it's Edmonton's big emerging arts festival. And sometimes when I think about, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, the Edmonton theater and arts community uh, is, you know, consistently called vibrant and all of these wonderful things. And I think a big part of that is this festival because it puts um, young artists in a room together um, it gives them passes to see everything, whether it's uh, art or, or visual art or, or dance or theater, so they can all see each other's work. They can all get to know each other. There's like a party component to it so they can meet each other. Um, and it sort of uh, builds this sense of multidisciplinary like awareness uh, that I think is wonderful. Uh, the show I saw is uh, it was called Boy Trouble. It's by Mac Brock, who, full disclosure, is a pal. Uh, it's a one-person show. Uh, it stars uh, Max Hanek in sort of the role. It was directed by Julie Ferguson, aka New Boy. So it follows this uh, this character. Uh, they sort of realize their sexuality, and then they uh, they end up uh, downloading Grinder, which is a hookup app. Uh, unlike a lot of dating apps um, in the world, uh, you can send anyone a message on Grinder. You don't have to like match first. And so uh, uh, this character starts meeting uh, all of these uh, people on Grinder in this park near their near their house, and that's sort of where they learn. Um, that's their coming of age, um, sort of uh, sexual uh, uh, learning about the world, uh, and also some of the ramifications that come with that, both in those scenarios and outside of them. Sort of being a a sixteen year old on a an adult uh, hookup app um, obviously has consequences and and. Uh, introduces one to situ- ones to situations um, that they would not normally find themselves in, perhaps. Uh, yeah, but I thought it was, um, in that sense, the script uh, was very um, skillful in how it um, explored that world. Uh, I think we 
we uh, really empathize and understand that character a lot. Um, and then, um, yeah, it was it was well acted in in that role and well directed for um, with a very simple set because it's sort of uh, we're being told this story from the park. Um, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was real good. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, well, I mean, Next Fest has a history of sort of, you know, like these shows that go on to do big things sometimes. I mean, we saw Métis Mutt win the Sterling Award for, um, I think it was Outstanding Production last year. Right. So, you know, like that's that's pretty cool. That was, uh, you know, 20 years before it started right. out as, uh, as a Next Fest, as a Next Fest tryout. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, what else do we have? Um, I did see a show while I was in Toronto last week. Um, I went to Toronto Dance Theatre and I saw Marion Bad, which was starring Christopher House, Toronto Dance Theatre's artistic director, and Jordan Tannehill, who's a Governor General award-winning two-time uh, two-time award-winning playwright um, and multidisciplinary artist and activist and all sorts of things. Um, the show was really interesting because it was built in Toronto Dance Theatre's venue, um, which has its own risers. And the show was actually performed on the seating risers. And so the audience was in a different um a different configuration. We were watching people dancing on these stairs, basically a set of stairs. Um, and it sort of had this kind of just beautiful sort of, it was a relationship between two men, um, one younger, one older. And then, um, but it also had this real sort of like mentor mentee feel to it. Um, and I just kind of wanted to mention that it was, it was something that I feel lucky to have seen because they couldn't bring it to any other space right. in the yeah. same way because of the way that lo the location was set up. And also that um, seeing Christopher House dance um, two days before he announced his sort of departure from Toronto Dance Theatre. He's right. leaving the company after 25 years as their artistic director. Um, that was really cool. Um, and I think that often the shows that we get brought to Edmonton um, from other dance companies across Canada are often like the big guns, the big sure. cast, you know, sort of like these other um, shows. So we wouldn't often really get to see a show like this. Um, and which is, which is kind of sad because I think it was really beautifully done. I don't know that um, I've seen a show here that ha um, had so much intimacy in it. Sure. Um, intimacy between men and just like there's a playfulness, but also a very serious and quite, um, quite heartfelt connection between the two. Uh, and so, yeah, I just felt really lucky to see that. And I wanted to mention Mary in bed. Great, awesome. Um, uh, uh, do you want to talk really quickly just about maybe some of the like the movement qualities of that when we're talking about um, in sort of dance theater? Uh, how did that intimacy manifest? What did we see? Sure, the progression of the show um, was it started out with um, a lot of kind of a little bit of showing off to each other a bit, showing off their styles. Tannehill's character was very sort of like brash and impetuous, stomping a lot. They were doing things where they were falling up and down the stairs wow. with like real panache and just kind of like, I can't, uh, and also looking like they were broken when they fell down the stairs too. Like it was just, it was really fantastic. Way to have that extra theatricality brought on. There was one um, point where they kind of start, um, not fighting with each other, but there's um, one character is sort of kind of like let go and the other characters dragging one of them up the stairs. Um, and it was just, just the way they did that was 
kind of brilliant to see. Um, the progression really kind of came to a head when um, the older character sort of stepped back and let the young character think that he was gone a little bit. And then Tannehill's character kind of really actually started... He he was doing all this brash and sort of almost sloppy movement before, but then at that moment, he really started dancing. Um, and it was just kind of like really neat to see that progression and that, um, you know, the mentor kind of was watching from the top of the stairs, like unbeknownst to, to Tannehill's character. And he's got this smile on his face seeing like, you know, yes, I can kind of, I see that you're, you're, you're doing okay now. I've taught you well, sort of thing. <laughs> what, a, what an apt metaphor for also leaving, leaving a company, um, yeah, yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's super great. If they ever find a way to tour that show, it would be awesome. I believe it was first done as a fringe show, oh, cool. um, in, in their own space. It's in Cabbage Town in Toronto. I'd also never been to that neighborhood, sure, but Cabbage right. Town was great. Um, so yeah, there was that. Um, other big thing that happened in Edmonton Theater this week, the Sterling nominations have come out. Uh, it's awards time, everybody. Let's think about it. <laughs> um, so what uh, what stood out, Fonda, when that announcement came? What did you notice in, in what was announced? And, and what? Well, biggest change this year for the Sterlings is that the acting categories have been completely changed from, you know, um, female and male leads and, out and uh, supporting actors to um, outstanding performances in comedy and drama roles, um, and also um, uh, mixed genders, so like no no gender de uh, determination on the categories themselves. Hooray! Yeah. Good riddance. Yeah, <laughs> and and uh, interestingly, um, through that the uh, the the weight of the acting categories, um, I'll ha there are fourteen uh, female nominees and six male nominees. Cool. Just pointing that out. Great. Yeah. Cool. Um, uh, which of these things um, uh, that we saw, which of these shows that we saw, um, what did you? What got? What got love? What got a lot of love by the Sterlings? And what? Um, uh, what do you? What do you wish was on this list? <laughs> well, it was no surprise to see that Fun Home got a love. Fun Home was a great musical. It's nominated for outstanding production of a musical as well as outstanding independent production itself. Um, the director Dave Horak is nominated, um, and there's uh, two actors I believe also nominated for that: Jocelyn Alf and Bella King. Um, oh, and uh, I'm sorry, there's one more actually. It was uh, um, the Ryan. What's her? What, what was her name? The Ryan. <laughs> one of the Ryans. <laughs> Right. Also, uh, Kate Ryan. Kate Ryan was also in Fun Home. She was also nominated. Daniela and Daniela uh, Maselis, uh, the lighting designer, as well. Oh yes, um, good stuff. Yeah, so that got that got some show. That got some love. Um, uh, a lot of the other um, uh, supporting actor uh, nominations, almost the entire category of supporting actor in a comedy, w went to the candidate and the party um, to Tom Allison, Colleen Wheeler, and Amber Lewis, who were all great in those shows. I really kind of hope that Amber Lewis pulls that one in, though. Um, Matthew Hulshoff for Miss Bennett and Jesse Gervais for The Comedy Company were also in that category. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how about you? What did you notice about some of them, some of the noms? Um, yeah, it seems like uh, when we look at the fringe side of things, um, Zoo Story, uh, Concord Floral, a Scorch uh, are all shows that got um, uh, quite a bit of attention. Yeah, yeah, Zoo Story I kind of expected. Zoo Story was great. Um, and also did want to note that um, 
Hunter Cardinal got nominated in two categories. He was nominated as Best Actor or Outstanding Performance in Drama for his role in Hamlet as Hamlet, um, and also as um, Best New Play uh, f- Award to Playwright for um, Lake of the Strangers, which he was nominated with, of course, his sister, Jacqueline Cardinal. Um, I, I don't know if they put themselves in contention, but Mercury Opera's La Boheme, I was kind of hoping that it would show up in independent production or musical, mm-hmm. um, because I think that they're doing pretty interesting work. Um, and yeah, and I will continue to um, whinge that there's no real um, awards for dancing or movement. There is a choreography award, um, but it's, it combines choreography and fight direction, which I think is, you know, totally unfair. I think that there's room to have two awards at least in there. Right. We can split them and then have a third for best dance fight. <laughs> best dance fight. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel that they could responsibly do it even the way that they do um, produ- like the Young Audience Awards. They do outstanding production for young audiences, um, outstanding artistic achievement, which is often a playwright, director, um, and then they have, um, and then I believe they have like a performance award for the young audiences too, or maybe they don't, I don't know. But, you know, there could be some more love there. If you look at the Dora Awards and how many different categories they have for the different sides of production stuff, it's, you know... They have a lot more awards. Maybe they also have a lot more money, but like, I don't know. I don't know if these awards really come with money. So why not just give more of them away? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. Um, uh, in the outstanding production of a play category, um, three of the shows, Made in Italy, uh, We Are Not Alone, and 19 Weeks, uh, were solo shows, were performed by solo performers. Um, the other two, Miss Bennett, uh, was an ensemble piece, and Sweat uh, was an ensemble piece. Um, but it's interesting to think about maybe um, something about that intimacy of being with just one person on a stage and being the audience there that um, can make you feel very connected to the work and the material because it's being said right to you, you know, or at least we're not watching a conversation have it happen. We're either having one or watching someone's sort of inner thoughts. Mm-hmm, yeah. And both We Are Not Alone and Made in Italy were really personal shows for the playwrights as well. Um, 19 Weeks was just like, you know, an incredibly um, intense, well-played role, um, but it also based on um, a, something that happened to the playwright. Um, play, And that was played by... Um, not Amber Lewis, Vanessa, Vanessa Saberin, yeah. and uh, yeah, and she got a nomination for that as well. Yeah, yeah. So there's something about seeing someone tell their story. I think, um, and yeah, all of those had like were rooted in very personal places. Um, whether I think Made in Italy was a little more co- comedic, uh, and and We Are Not Alone sort of walked that line between comedy and drama because it was about aliens. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and and Nineteen Weeks was about. Um, uh, Abortion um, and uh, choosing to terminate a preg- pregnancy and and sort of the uh, that that world which is you know a a big old thing um, right now and it shouldn't be um, but it but it fucking is um, uh, yeah so it's just interesting that like that sort of intimacy uh, is what's being seems to be uh, making connection with a lot of Sterling jurors last year with Métis Mud as well one person show that won this category yeah yeah that is an interesting to point out I think well we'll have to see what happens mm-hmm. um, yeah um, I guess that's okay yeah great that's that's the end of our Sterling's talk <laughs> great yeah all right um, and with that uh, we will go to our next ad 
Alberta Podcast Network wants to hear from you. We'd like to invite you to share your experience on APN's annual listener survey. The deadline is 11.59 p.m. on June 17th. The survey takes less than five minutes, and once you've finished, you can choose to be entered in a draw for one of three cash prizes of 100 bucks. To fill out the survey, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com slash survey. And thanks for helping the network. Woo! A hundred bucks. I could use that. <laughs> we could all use that. Um, another little news bit that was uh, happening yeah. this week was um, uh, the Free Will Shakespeare Festival was in the media a lot and a little bit early in their season due to um, a decision at City Council that has um, been on the table. I believe the decision has now been made um, about the downtown uh, federate or the I'm sorry the Federation of Community Leagues um, and their a big anniversary project that they're planning, which is building another performance space in Horlack Park right behind the Heritage Amphitheater. And I ask you this, why? <laughs> Indeed, why? Um, um, I mean, I don't, I, I, you know, the, the majority of coverage was just sort of like, why is this a big deal? They're just building a thing in the park. And it's like, well, fine, yes, they're, but to build another performance space right beside another outdoor performance space which is even like closer than most of the folk fest stages are to each other, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that's it's just a little um, short sighted. Right. And my understanding is the thing they're building um, is sort of meant to uh, represent like 100 years of um, sort of pay tribute to 100 years of, of, of um, something in that park. It's it's a hundred years of the community leagues federation of, of like community leagues in Edmonton, um, so uh, the this pl- this has actually been in the works since I think twenty twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen. Sure. It was supposed to be the construction was supposed to be earlier. There's a bunch of problems with I don't know possibly fundraising and stuff, but often also just. I don't, you know, I will, full disclosure, I worked in Horlack Park for a few years for the Free Will Shakespeare Festival, and there's always stuff that goes on there that kind of puts a damper on any of the cultural programming that comes in there. You know, the triathlon wants to happen, Free Will has to shut down for a few days. Like, you know, it's, and then even last year with the construction around the park, Heritage Days almost got shut down. right. And there was a huge, uh, it was going to happen until there was an uproar. (laughs) Yeah, well, and it seems that the only way that these, you know, festivals and things can get the uproar is to just go straight to the media. Because, you know, I do know that they try and work with the city. And there's a lot of bureaucracy where one hand of the city is not talking to the other. And and it just, um, it doesn't, it doesn't make it easy to make cool things happen there sometimes yeah 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 so so well that's a thing um as the situation progresses maybe we'll give some updates yeah all right so um well what what is happening paul what do we have in our listings all right so until june 22nd as mentioned at the start of this podcast we have a likely story by Stuart lemoyne uh which is uh the opening show in the teatro la quindicina season happening at the varscona theater yeah, and Improvaganza is almost upon us. That starts up June 12th, runs until the 22nd. That's all at the Citadel Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have Liminal, a new work by Brian Webb with Gary James Joins. So that's happening at the Trifo, and that's happening on June 13th and 14th. Um, Sleuth is opening up at the Mayfield Dinner Theater on June 18th, and that runs for quite a while until August 4th. 
Cool. Fieldwork by Jerry Morita as part of the Mile Zero Dance main stage. Uh, I say that, but it's in Leduc. Uh, the bus departs from the Mile Zero Spazio Performativo uh, spot, which is happening on June 21st and 22nd. We could go watch Jerry Morita dance with some cows. I think I think that's what the show is. <laughs> Honestly, thrilling. <laughs> Sincerely, way into it. Yeah. Um, and the previously mentioned Free Will Shakespeare Festival kicks off on June 18th, alternating shows um, with Two Gentlemen of Verona and a winter's tale and that will run until july 14th i've seen neither of those oh the the winter's tale is good i have not seen uh two gentlemen of verona but the winter's tale has a bear in it it's good is that is that exit pursued by bear yes that is boom history (laughs) um great go see some stuff everyone there's so much going on yeah enjoy your summer bye i don't get it is a member of the alberta podcast network powered by atb you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blenov. Sit here thinking, I love you.